Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message today is the gospel lesson read earlier. The account given to us of the visit of the Magi to Jesus at his home. And so, as pastor, you get a lot of interesting questions. Uh, Questions like, how tall is God? Or, if it was not good for Adam to be alone, why didn't God make a wife for himself? You, You get all sorts of questions. But, but I think one of the questions I get the most often, because you get some serious questions as well, is what about the people who live in an area where they don't hear about Jesus? And that's one of the tougher ones, right? Because the, the scripture is rather clear that, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The scripture is also clear that, that God is just. It doesn't seem fair that there would be those who would be judged because they didn't hear God's word. It, it's a tough question because there's no clear satisfactory answer within the Bible that makes it simple. But that question came to my mind as I was studying this text. I think there's something here that that can help us answer it. Now, now, I'm not telling you we're going to answer that question fully today, but we are going to address it. And I think it'll help us put it in the proper hands of our Lord in a way that that, that we should understand it. Because what we're going to see is the great love that our Lord has for all people. That's, That's the main part of this epiphany text, we also see the extent by which God goes to draw people to himself. And we're going to see that love and remind ourselves that this is for all people, but we're also going to be reminded that it is for us as well. And so when we come to the gospel lesson, we see that God reveals himself, and he reveals himself in creation. And that's what he does for these magi, right? Why is it that they end up in Jerusalem? It's because they saw, as they said, we, where is he who was born, born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They are drawn by God's creation, by the star that God placed in the sky. They end up in Jerusalem. And these are unexpected worshipers because these are magi. They're, they're from the east. It's, they're called wise men in our text today. But we're not really sure exactly where they're from. They, they could be from Arabia. They could be from Babylon. But just someplace east. The, the scripture isn't clear beyond that. And it's interesting that the term that's used there, that the term is magi, which is used in the Greek Old Testament for advisors to the king, and the kings of Babylon and other kings that oppressed God's people. And I think that's where the idea of wise men comes from. But, but also understand that where did they get their information to advise the king? It's from astrology and the occult. All these sort of practices that they drew upon to, to give wisdom to the king that are completely repugnant to God and against God's word. And so isn't it interesting that God would choose to draw them to come and see Jesus? Is that not an illustration of God's love for absolutely everyone? He uses his creation to draw them from the east and to bring them to Jerusalem with with a star that has some mystery to it, right? Right? Because once they get to Jerusalem and they're told that he's in Bethlehem, the star actually goes and shows them the place where Jesus is. It's it's mysterious how God uses his creation to draw these men to the very house where Jesus is found. Does that not show God's great love and the extent that God would do go to bring people to himself? And this idea of revealing himself in creation is found throughout the scriptures, right? When you read through the Psalms, it talks about the glory of God being seen in the mountains and in the sea. The glory of God seen in the trees and the flowers. 
that, that you can see the, the beauty, the power, the grandeur of God in creation. Even within us, there, there is God revealed. Even his law is revealed in us. We all have an idea of right or wrong. Where did that come from? It, it comes from God. He was written it upon our hearts. God reveals himself in creation. But there's a problem with that revelation. Not everybody sees the love of God in creation. Even in our text today, it was revealed to Herod that the king has been born. He saw that not as a sign of love, but as a threat, right? Skeptics today can look at creation and not see God anywhere in it. And others can look at creation and see God maybe even as a cruel God. I mean, we often focus on the flowers and the trees and the mountains. But what about the tornadoes and the hurricanes and the blizzards? They reveal God's power, but can you understand where someone might think, well, maybe God isn't loving, maybe God is cruel? And we even can fall into that camp a little bit, right? We don't always see the love of God in creation and the events of our life. When, when tragedy happens on a national scale or, or an international scale, we hear that question, where is God? Well, don't we repeat that same question when it happens to us? Where is God? We know he's supposed to be all-powerful, and yet he didn't intervene to stop this? He didn't stop the sickness, this disease, this, this difficult time? Well, why is that? Don't people at those times question, well, maybe God doesn't love me. See, the revelation in creation demonstrates the power and glory of God, but it's not where you see the love of God necessarily. That's why it's interesting, even with the Magi, it wasn't enough to reveal himself in creation. God also revealed himself through his word. Because when they come to Jerusalem, they, they ask the question, where is he who was born, king of the Jews? Where do they turn to find the answer? They open up the word. They open up scripture. It's the word of God that reveals to the, to the Magi that the king would be born in Bethlehem. So again, God's using the word as part of it to reveal himself as well. And I find it fascinating when you read the, the text today that Matthew doesn't stop there. Could have very easily stopped when he says, well, Bethlehem, that's, that's, all, that's all they needed to know. But he also goes on with the next verse that talks about how he would be a ruler. That he would be a ruler who would be rule Israel as a shepherd. It's stated this way. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Isn't it interesting that, that not, only, not only do the Magi get to hear where the Savior would be born, but what kind of king he would truly be. Not a king like unto Herod, who serves only for himself and for his own power and glory, but one as a shepherd. What's a shepherd do? A shepherd leads and guides. A shepherd cares and provides for the sheep. The Magi had already seen the, the leading and the guiding aspect of that, but wasn't this a promise to them also that, that this is the type of king you're coming to worship? That one that, that cares for the sheep? One who care, provides for the sheep? protects the sheep. And so this is the kind of shepherd, this is the kind of ruler that Christ came to be, not only in Israel, but throughout the world. And that's the whole point of the Epiphany text, is that, that these people from the East that are, are also coming to worship Jesus as king. And as we consider this, we realize creation isn't enough of a revelation for us as well. God's true love is revealed to you in his word. Again, you can see the power of God in creation. But the only place you truly see the love of God, 
The true love of God is in his word. Because it's only in the word that we hear what he has done. See, the word reveals where this difficulty, where the tragedies, where the storms, and all those things come from. That they come from sin. The result of a sinful world. See, that's the problem with looking for God completely in creation. Because creation is corrupted by sin. You're not necessarily going to get the proper message. You might get a good message, but it might not be the right message. But the word tells us that the sin has corrupted the world and gives us the true message of the God that we have. A God not only who created the world to provide for us, but then when the world was corrupted by sin, intervened into that world to save us. That he has come to overcome sin. And that's what he did for us on the cross. This Jesus who the Magi worships grows up to die on the cross to, to, to take care of sin once and for all. And rises from the death to conquer sin and death and all of its consequences. This is the type of king he was. And this is the type of king he is for you. You see, the word reveals his love for you. And we see that as the word is connected to the water and the baptism, that you are claimed as his own. And the word announces to you that, that he loves you, that he died for you, that he rose for you, that you belong to him. And he's going to be your shepherd. And being a shepherd isn't going to put you in a bubble to protect you from everything that the sinful world brings. No, a shepherd walks with the sheep through the danger. That's the Lord that you have, that walks with you through this sinful creation. And provides what you need at just the right moment. Strength, peace, comfort, grace. All of that is yours through a shepherd who loves you. And as our Lord reveals himself in creation, the word, he brings about a response. That's what we have with the Magi. Having that revelation through the star and through the word. What is it that the Magi do? They come to the place where Jesus is. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him powerful scene that, that these magi from the east now are worshiping Jesus as their king. God has, through his revelation, brought about faith and enabled them to worship. And what do they do? Not only do they worship, but they offer their gifts. They offer gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gifts of royalty. Gifts of a king. No doubt that's what they were thinking. But looking back, they probably didn't even realize how important those gifts were or what those gifts represent to us today. Because looking back, can we not see the gold as a reminder that, that Jesus is Lord and Lord over all things, that he is king over all creation. When we see the frankincense, are we not reminded of Jesus' role as priest, that he is your advocate before the Father, bringing you forgiveness, life, and salvation. When you see the gift of myrrh and you know that it's a spice for burying people, is it not a reminder that Jesus is your Savior and what he did to be that Savior? See, our Lord brought this about. And our Lord brings about our own worship and our own gifts, imperfect as they may be. Because our worship is not always perfect, right? Do we all sing on key during the hymns? Are our prayers always where we go saying the creed or we're reciting the Lord's Prayer? Our, our mind never wanders from that? Or during the sermon, you're never thinking about what you're going to do for dinner or for brunch afterwards? And yet... God takes that worship and our gifts and he cleanses it with his love. And it is received with joy from him. Just as he received those gifts from those magi, he receives our gifts and worships today. And so, let's go back to that question. What about those who live in an area that 
may not hear about Jesus or don't hear about Jesus. Weren't the Magi living in a similar area? They were not living in Israel. They were living in an area apart from the word of God. And yet God reached out, right? God used the star to bring them to Jerusalem. And there's mystery around that, right? How did they know this star was the one for the king of the Jews? Does it not show the extent that God will go to bring his people to himself? And God uses all that he's revealed about his creation, the word. We see it with the Magi. Does he not do that with all that he loves? And again, I haven't answered it completely. I understand that. But doesn't this leave it where it's supposed to be? That whenever we're concerned about someone and their salvation, we leave them in the hands of a God who loves them. A God who desires them. A God who would go to any extent to bring them to himself. And isn't that what we do with ourselves? We, we lace ourselves in the hands of a God who would go through anything to bring us to himself and would do anything beyond our imagination to keep us part of his kingdom. A God who would love us so much that he would do all to make sure that we are his now and forever. What joy it is to know a God who would do all that for you and for me. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, life everlasting. Amen.